In a world where movies are abundant, but podcasts are, well, well, podcasts are also abundant, comes another podcast about movies. You're listening to Stop Talking During Movies. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 11 of Stop Talking During Movies. I'm your host, the MC, currently and formerly known as Sick, S-Y-Q, and I'm going to rank the last five movies that I watched. Um, nothing but good movies on this episode. I watched a very good, so I got a three and a half star movie and four four star movies, so a very good movie and four great movies. So it's been a good little while of watching movies. Um I think the earliest movie on my my list here of the last five that I watched is from 1988. And I have one from 2020. So a very broad time span of movies here. All right. So we will just jump into it. Um, like I said, in the I think the next episode or the episode after that, probably the next episode, I think will be top eight fathers in film since the year 2000. I'll be doing that with my wife. Um yeah, I think that's going to be the next episode. Um, but right now, let's go over the last five that I watched. Uh, coming in at number five, a three and a half star movie. Um, very good movie, though. Very good. Recommend this highly. It's from 2020. Finally got around to watching or a, a 2020 movie since there's been like five movies from 2020 released thus far that are worth watching. The Invisible Man, directed by Lee Whannell. As the attorney representing Adrian's trust, I'm required to read a prepared statement. Cecilia, although our relationship was far from perfect, I thought that you would talk to me rather than run away. Are you okay? Open the door! What happened to him? He cut his wrists. Per his final wishes, you're getting $5 million. Contingent, of course, on the fine print. He can't be ruled to be mentally incompetent. It just doesn't make any sense. What? Adrian wouldn't kill himself. Listen, you're getting your freedom back, okay? Don't let him haunt you. Hello? I'm scared. You don't have to be scared of him anymore. He was a sociopath, completely in control of everything. He said that wherever I went, he would find me, walk right up to me, and I wouldn't be able to see him. The Invisible Man, starring Elizabeth Moss, Aldous Hodge, Storm Reid. Um, directed by Lee Whannell, uh, the director of Upgrade, which I really liked Upgrade from a couple years ago, uh, 2018, a very good movie can't remember if I put that on my top 10. I think it just barely was outside of my top 10 from 2018. Um, this is his follow-up, I believe, uh, to Upgrade. Let's see. Let me make sure there. Yeah, this is his follow-up. He did Insidious 3, Upgrade, and now The Invisible Man. Very good movie. This movie f falls and succeeds on the performance of Elizabeth Moss. If she hadn't killed it, if she wasn't so goddamn good in this movie... It would have fallen apart. It would not have been, it would have been rote and really not something to 
pay attention to. I just probably would have been bored or, you know, because not necessarily bored, but it would have been like a typical thriller horror movie that, um, just wasn't very interesting if, if Elizabeth Moss hadn't killed it in this, uh, this movie. Also, there was a lot of cool. So the movie is about, uh, there's a lot, well, I was just gonna say there's a lot of cool, uh, movement of the camera that I thought thought was very well done, and you you see that early on in the movie. So the opening scene um, is is very good. I thought I thought, man, this is you know I'm I'm watching a four and a half star movie. I'm watching a, a top ten of the year at, by the end of the year movie at the very beginning. Um, they sh- it opens up with Elizabeth Moss trying to sneak out of bed. Who you get the you get the feeling right away, uh, or you get the sense, or you uh, pick up the character of her husband being a an, abu- an abusive man, a codependent man, uh, codependent. I don't know if that's the right word for him, but he's clingy, uh, very controlling and, abu- and, and abusive in that manner where he's controlling over. He won't let her do anything. Um, and you get all that at the very beginning of the movie where it's this beautiful house, um, amazing house, just immaculate, beautiful house on the ocean. Um, and you see Elizabeth Moss trying to be invisible herself. She's trying to sneak out of the house. She's trying to sneak out without her husband knowing that she's leaving. She had put some, uh, I think it was sleeping pill. Was it Klonopin? I don't know. Something she put in his drink um, to knock him out. And then she's going to sneak out and get away from this man that you, you, you get the feeling right away that he's abusive. And so she is trying to be invisible getting away from this man where, you know, it's called the invisible man, you know, you, you know, the premise, this man has some kind of technology or something that's going to make him invisible or, or something, I guess that's kind of a spoiler. It wouldn't have to be technology. could be magic, right? Um, sorry about that. But yeah, he has this technology that's going to make him invisible, but it starts out with her trying to be invisible and get away from him. It's very well done. There's, and like I said, one, one of the camera shots in the beginning of the movie, you see, the camera is watching her go through the functions of trying to get out of the house, trying to prepare, get her clothes, get her uh, bag or whatever, get everything set up to where she can get out of there, turn the, turning the alarm off, all that stuff. And you, as she's doing this, the camera pans over to an empty hallway and you see nothing there. And you just think somebody's watching her. Something is watching the camera becomes a third character in this scene where there's only two people. And you know what, you know, what's so funny is right now, as I'm talking about, about this, I realize a plot point in this movie that I didn't get until now. And I couldn't talk about it without spoiling the movie, but holy shit, that's really good. Damn. Maybe I should add a a whole half star for what I just discovered about this movie. Um, damn, I don't know if I should talk about this. If you haven't seen invisible man, skip ahead no 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 i'm not going to spoil it but jesus christ uh i just thought i, I th- yeah you know what? skip ahead five seconds because i want to say this skip ahead 10 seconds but i think that there was a uh, the that the other person the brother was actually in the room watching this go down hmm could that have been no because then he ran after her and he grabbed her and he tried to get her no the brother wouldn't have been there that doesn't make sense I should cut the, cut all this out. Um, yeah, I will cut all that out. Um, 
but yeah, you get the sense that there's this third character and the character is the camera and it, and it really puts that eerie sense of something watching you or watching Elizabeth Moss right away. It puts that in your head. And that same trick is used. I wouldn't say trick technique is used throughout the movie to build that suspense and make you really feel like Elizabeth Moss is in danger. I really like this movie. I think um, I had really high hopes for it. Um, I loved uh, Upgrade. Um, I think of the two, I, I like Upgrade a little bit more than this one, but Invisible Man is very good, very well worth watching. I'm, I think um, in, an, in a normal year when this movie came out, I think it came out in February or January, very, very strong opening to a year when you're putting out a movie like Invisible Man that early on in the year. Because those are usually like the dumping ground from dumping grounds for movies, but it was very good. One thing that was very distracting, and my wife thought, "Oh my God, you're just jealous. You're so jealous of him." Aldous Hodge, the the he's he's a cop in this movie, and he's absurdly fit. He's absurdly well dressed and absurdly handsome. Now. That might be a little bit homoerotic. I get it. And my wife is thinking that I'm just being jealous of a man that's super cut and super fit. And maybe I am. But Jesus Christ, he was a little bit distracting. I told my wife, it's like it's like if you're watching a movie and there's a couple and it's just some grump, dumpy man. And um, it's like uh, the other guys. If you remember the other guys, Will Ferrell is just Will Ferrell. You know, he's, he's him. And then uh, he has his wife. Uh, what's her name? Eva Mendez. Uh, Eva Mendez as his wife, who's just this beautiful woman, and it's very distracting. It's like, why, what, why are you with him? What is going on here? And it's not as if, um, uh, what's his name's character, Aldous's character, is with anybody. So it's, that's not the problem here. But it's just like very distracting that he's like super fit and buff, and then you see him dressed as a cop, and he looks like a goddamn like like what the, what the they would put the model of a cop in like a men's fashion magazine for cops i don't know i don't know what i'm talking about but um it was a little bit distracting uh very good movie though highly recommend invisible man will it make the top 10 of my year by the end of 2020 who knows because at w the way it's going right now i don't like all these movies are getting canceled who knows what 2020 is going to be it might be the worst year in movie history uh, the way things are going right now all right, number four, the fourth best movie that I watched. Um, and so these next four movies that I'm going to talk about, they're all four-star movies for me. They're all great movies um, under my rating system. They could go in any order pretty much, but I just kind of looked at them again and just was trying to think, you know, what, which one? It's hard to rank these because they're all pretty much the same in my book. They're on the same tier. Um, but then I tried to think, okay, which ones do I want to rewatch? Um, and which ones would I be more comfortable saying I love this movie or I really, really like this movie. And so I put it in that order, but it could go any, and it could go in any, any direction. I think it, these could be ranked in any order. Uh, this one is from 1988, a movie that I've been meaning to catch up with for quite a while. Um, I thought I had seen it before, but when I was younger, but it, I hadn't, I, I watched the trailer and I was like, no, I don't, I haven't seen this movie. Mississippi burning. Sick and tired of going to the funerals of black men who have been murdered by white men. They are powerless against us if every single Anglo-Saxon Christian one of us stands together. The rest of America don't see it that way, Mr. Mayor. The rest of America don't mean a damn thing. You in Mississippi now. 
Mississippi Burning, directed by Alan Parker. Um, I don't believe I've seen any of his other work, um, but I really like the look of this movie right away. I told my wife, I said, this is one of these older movies, although 88, it's not that old really, but it, it just it looks good. It doesn't look dated. Um, she may beg to differ, and some people may beg to differ, but I thought it looked very good. I, I liked the way it was shot. Um, right away, I mean, I love the subject matter. This is um, a movie about two FBI agents, uh, William Defoe and uh, Gene Hackman, which, goddamn, Gene Hackman is missed, very much missed by me. I think he's great. I always like seeing Gene Hack Hackman in movies. William Defoe, obviously great. You get to see a young William Defoe, a young Francis McDormand. <laughs> it's really cool to see. R. 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 L. Um, R. Lee Ermy, sorry, Arlie Ermy. God, I don't know why I was tripping over that. Is just such an iconic character actor who plays basically the same role almost all the time. It's very um, one trick pony ish, but that one trick is so great. I love Ar um, Arlie Ermy. He was good in this, he was a smaller part, but this movie's about two FBI agents um, that are investigating the murder of a couple of civil rights activists, three of them, uh, that went down to Mississippi during the uh, late 60s or the 60s uh, during the civil rights movement. They These three people are m murdered. It's the first scene of the movie. It's what the whole movie's based on, so it's not a spoiler. These three civil rights activists are murdered um, by some locals there, and these uh, two investigators go down there to investigate and figure out what's happened. It's based on a true story. Um, afterwards, I looked up some of the facts about the true story and it's not, it's, it's very loosely based on real life. And it's also, I was talking to my wife. I, I think this is a flawed, exceptional movie. Like this is a almost, I don't know. It's, it's very flawed, but it's also very, very good where it's good. Um, and it's flawed in the sense that they're cramming everything in to where they're, they're cramming all this chaos and all this carnage and all this, horrible shit going on that you get the sense that you're living or, or that Mississippi at the time or where all this stuff is going down, that there's nothing, there's no law. It's completely lawless. There, there's nothing, there's no consistency. There's nobody there. That's not an evil person out for chaos and destruction. Um, you get the sense that all the black people in this area are just completely terrorized on a day to day basis um, and I, and not to this is not to uh, downplay or under underplay or or try to dismiss what was going on at the time. Obviously, there was a lot of bad shit going on, and and uh, the black community at the time was so um, devalued, and they were literally second class citizens at the time. Obviously, there was a lot of bad stuff going on, but you you get the sense in this movie where there's no there's there's zero sense of stability at all in this entire world, but then they intermingle it with real life, where obviously there are some uh, boundaries of law and order to some extent for everybody, you know, and there's some uh, there's some connection to the outside world. I think that's where I got what I got the feeling where they were trying to. It felt like this was an isolated island where no law and order existed, where there was constant tyranny and, and terror, terror at all times for every 
black person and even all the white people as well. Like everybody was just constantly in a jumbled uh, or a constant flux of chaos um, intermingled. But like I said, they would intermingle scenes where there was some order and some connection to the outside world. And it just kind of seemed inconsistent and it seemed like they were cramming too much in uh, a short period of time to make a point. And maybe none of that makes any sense. I was talking to my wife about this. I said kind of the same thing. And she said, you know, you're being an idiot. That's how it was. And I said, I get that's how it was. But I don't know if I'm making my point clear. It's like um, I the, the point I illustrate or used with her was that it was like uh, Boys in the Hood, that movie Boys in the Hood. You had all these crazy things happen in the course of a couple days that if those things were happening to everybody in that area at all times, it would not be sustainable. Everybody would be dead. Everybody would be gone. Everybody, it would just be complete chaos when the reality is not that, uh, that bad. It can be that bad for short periods of time for sure. And man, I'm rambling. I, I don't think I'm making my point clear, but what I'm trying to say is that it just felt a little inconsistent and a little outside of real reality, but very real at the same time. There was so much good in this movie, man. I'm heart. This is a funny thing. I'm trashing. It seems like I'm trashing this movie. This is a great goddamn movie. Great performances. Um, a great story. Um, I could have used a little bit more. Uh, uh, what would I say? Not not to be too woke or whatever, but when you have a, a movie about this issue and you have very few black characters that matter in in a movie about this issue, it's kind of odd. Like. You know, why why didn't we have why didn't we explore some of the um, the perspectives of some of the people that were actually being abused by the white people in Mississippi? You know, I would have liked to seen a little bit more of that and have that replace the very cliche and very unneeded love story between the very much older Gene Hackman than the very much younger Francis McDormand. It did not look good. I, I felt like, God, this is like one of those tropes or not tropes, but cliches or boundaries that they put movies in for a long time. It's like, well, you got to have a love story. You got to put a love story in there or else the people aren't going to go out on their date night. You got to put a love story in there. This movie does not need a love story or, a, um, you know, it's kind of like a budding love story uh, between Francis McDormand and Gene Hackman, which was completely unnecessary did not need it in this movie at all um you could have had the movie you could have you could have told said everything you needed to say without that basically but that being said the love story and the and all that stuff was pretty good um and the rest of the movie is really good it's very engaging very entertaining um really like this movie man i ragged on a movie that i i would consider better than 80% or 85% of all the movies that I see. This is a very, very good movie. Sorry to rag on it. Very good. Mississippi Burning. Older movie. Very much worth watching. All right. The number three movie that I watched. This is a rewatch. Watched it with the wife. Um, she had never seen it. It came out last year and it almost made my top 10 from last year. Really like this movie. Rocket Man. I could hear the whole tune in my head. It was all there, I could see all the notes, and I just had to get it out. It's a little bit funny, this feeling inside. What did you say your name was again? My name is... Reggie! 
Reginald Dwight. Reginald? That's my granddad's name. All right, Rocket Man. Um, starring Taron uh, Edg Edgerton, uh, Jamie Bell, Richard Madden, a few other people in here, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Um, it's a musical. It's from 2019. It's about the life uh, based on the true fantasy of Elton John's life. Um, the very iconic Elton John, who's best known for hugging Eminem uh, at, the, at the Grammys. No. Um, yeah, uh, directed by Dexter Fletcher, who was uh, the director of Eddie the Eagle. Didn't watch that one. Um, but, yeah, I don't know much about the director. But this is a very good movie. I, I think it's, in terms of what went in t into the movie, this one and Mississippi Burning, by far on my list, are the, the movies that had the most production. You know, it was the most, it took the most to make. You know, these are bigger movies. Rocketman's a big movie. It's a big musical. Spans the life uh, or a large part of Elton John's life. Um, I I'm a sucker for musicals. So I'm likely bumping this up a little bit because I really love when musicals are done well. Um, and this was an example of it. Um, and also, I'm not a fan of Elton John. I don't know much about Elton John. I didn't know. Uh, so the first time I watched this movie, I watched it in the theater with my mom from her birthday. She really wanted to watch it. And I didn't know that all the songs in the movie were Elton John songs. Didn't even know that. I thought these were just songs that were part of the story and they were made for the movie. So I'm just enjoying it, thinking it's amazing. And then come to find out they're all Elton John songs. And I'm thinking, geez, that's pretty impressive to make it blend like that and to make it flow so smoothly um, and and really work as a as a true narrative. Um, I really like this movie. It's very, it's one of, it, it's like the reason why I'm placing this one over the uh, Mississippi burning is because when I think about rewatchability, this one, I could rewatch again. If, if it was somebody else that hadn't seen this movie, you know, if they're like, Oh, I haven't seen Mississippi burning and I haven't seen rocket man. And I'm like, oh, and we're sitting down to watch a movie. I'd probably go rocket man. I'd be like, all right, let's just watch this. Unless, you know, they, they hated musicals. Musicals are one of those, that genre of uh, movies. It's like horror. It's like horror movies. If you don't like horror movies, then you're not going to like great horror movies. Just because it's a great horror movie doesn't mean you're going to like it because you just don't like horror movies. Rocketman's like that. I think it's a great musical. But if you're not into musicals, you're just going to be annoyed the whole time. And, and you're going to feel cringe, cringy. You know, like, oh, they're singing again. Oh, no. You know, everybody's just kind of sitting around all dramatic faces. And that's why... I love him. And you're just like, oh no, the girl's talking about the fucking guy again. It's very, um, I can totally understand this musical's bumping people. I get it. Um, but I really liked it. Um, and like I said, uh, Taron Edgerton, great performance as Elton John. That, that to me is what really drives this movie, aside from the musical numbers and the choreography and all that stuff. I think he just does a great job. Um, at acting and singing and bringing to life Elton John uh, in this movie. I think it was very well done. Now, Elton John being a producer on the movie makes me a little suspicious. That is very true. But uh, that, with that aside, very good movie. Highly recommend this movie. Um, the number two movie that I watched. This movie is from 2013. Very glad I finally got around to watching this movie movie is Lock.
Hello? Eddie, it's your dad. Is, uh, is your mother there? Uh, no, she's not back from the shops yet. Um, she's getting that German beer that you like for the match. Okay, uh, listen, I won't be back for that. What? Uh, something's come up. I can't get out of it. I'm wearing the shirt. Uh, Mum's getting sausages. <laughs> oh, yeah, and guess what? She's wearing the shirt as well. Oh, Dad, it, it's so embarrassing. Um, yeah, what did you say about coming home? I won't be back for the match. I'll, uh, I'll have to listen to it on the radio. Dad, you said you'd be back. It's rubbish on the radio. Mum's doing sausages and all. Is your brother there? Yeah, do you want a word? No, uh, just tell... You just tell your mother to call me when she gets back. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, sure. I love you. What? Uh, it's okay. You know what? Just, uh, just get her to call me when she gets back. Yeah. Thank you. Sure, all right. Bye. Bye Lock, starring Tom Hardy. Um, you also get a voice from uh, Tom Holland in this movie, little little Spider-Man. Um, this movie is, I think I'm, okay, I don't know how to, how to say this. I am more impressed by this movie than I like it, but I really, really like it. So I'm very, very impressed by this movie. This movie, man, if I describe this movie, it will turn you off to watching this movie if you haven't seen it. Because I know it did for me for the longest time. I had known about this movie, but I've been kind of avoiding it because I kind of knew what it was. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to sit through that type of movie. But the movie is a restricted narrative. We stay with um, we stay with Tom Hardy's character, Ivan Locke, inside of his car for the entire duration of the movie. And I know when I first heard that that was what the movie was, I continuously thought like, ah, I don't want to sit through a movie about a guy in a car the entire time. Um, that may, may make me sound like a Philistine, and maybe I am sometimes, but I just was kind of avoiding it. But goddamn, is this movie impressive. The fact that you can pull off something so compelling and you can make the story so interesting with such a limited... Uh, limited um what would it be set production design everything you it, everything's very limited here you're just in the car with tom hardy's character ivan Locke, and the stakes are not super high this is not life or death he's not driving down the road and they're saying if you stop the car the entire world will blow up it's nothing like that it's not like aliens are going to kill his family if he stops a car or you know keanu reeves is gonna jump into the matrix if the if the fucking bus does not stop or does not keep going damn it i messed up the goddamn analogy this is not like that at all it's very real life real life stakes um and they're not super i mean they're high they're for sure very high stakes but not life or death not existential crisis high level um and it's so goddamn compelling and and again, this is a movie that is completely dependent upon the the actor. Tom Hardy absolutely destroys it in this movie. He's so goddamn good. Ivan Locke, to me, is a character that I think I'll forever remember in movies. I think it's a, he's a great character, very well fleshed out, very well considered. Um, all the interactions he has. So it's, it's him driving in a car and he has several different dilemmas going on at the same time and he's having to communicate with these uh maybe six different people about this these uh different problems that he's having and 
it is so goddamn compelling. And the conversations that he has back and forth with these people, very interesting. And I don't want to oversell it. I feel like if I oversell it, you might be underwhelmed if you haven't seen this. If you have seen this, you know what I'm talking about. So goddamn um, compelling. Uh, and there's, you can't really say much about this movie without spoiling it. I would just say it's very, very much worth watching. Um, if I do my top 10 from 2013 or 2014, I think that's, it came out in 2013, but 2014 was its re uh, release in the U.S., for sure, this is on my top 10 from 2014. Haven't done that list yet, but if I do do this, I'm sure this is going to be on there. It's a great movie. Um, highly recommend Locke. All right, my, the best movie that I watched out of the last five. This one, I knew three things about it going in. I knew it was very low budget. I knew that it was supposedly very confusing. And I knew that it was very good, or at least a lot of people thought it was very good. The movie is Primer, or Primer, from 2004. Shane Carruth's Primer, or Primer. I don't know what it's called. I've heard it called both. You've gone to Charity Rock. You have this perfect 100-room mansion with matching his and her yachts and helicopter pads. How do you feel your day? What do you do? Primer, Primer or Primer, directed by Shane Carruth, written by Shane Carruth, edited by Shane Carruth, uh, produced all the other things by Shane Carruth. Um, very inspiring from a filmmaking perspective because, you know, I hope to one day make a movie for sure, a short film. But, you know, I hope to make a uh, full length feature film. And this guy did it for seven thousand goddamn dollars, which is very impressive. And very. Um, I really love that idea that, that he did all this for that cheap because now sometimes it does look cheap. I don't know if I had just seen a bad version, but there were a couple scenes at night where there was tons of visual noise in the, in the shots. Um, and that looked really bad. There were a few shots that looked, you know, pretty bad. Some of the audio for sure didn't sound great, but God damn, I forgot all of that. I, I think you forget it quickly by how compelling the story is. It feels like you're really, it's just authentic. You're watching time travel take place. That's what the movie's about. It's about time travel. It's about a group of guys that are in their in their garage uh, trying to make startups, uh, science, uh, tech startups, um, and they're develop. They're trying to develop a machine, I believe, to reduce the mass of objects. Um, and they come across a discovery that 
and, and, and I maybe you should discover or you should watch this. I'm not going to tell you what they discover. With uh, it's by accident. And everything's by accident. They kind of accidentally stumble upon something that their machine's doing. And they didn't know it was doing it. And it's very, very compelling. I th- so I'd heard this movie is very confusing. Um, and, and there are some, so I'll say this, the, the science of the movie and the time travel aspect to me, I, you know, I'm not trying to sound like a cock or anything, but, um, that wasn't that confusing to me. I got that pretty quickly. Um, I mean, I have a degree in physics, so maybe that helps, but, um, it seemed very, you know, that was pretty straightforward to me. I was like, okay, that makes sense. I get, I get what, you know, the, the science fiction acts aspect of it. Um, but that you know, there was a point in the movie where they were talking about paradoxes and um, things that they couldn't, they shouldn't do, or they can't do. And I, for a second there, I was like, ah, I should pause it just to make sure I know what's going on. But I didn't. I resisted that urge, and then I kind of just, you know, kept up with it. But I think there uh, there is some confusing things about this movie that I don't think are necessary. I think they could have done the movie without um, some of the cuts that they made. And some of the editing choices that they made. I think some of the editing choices they made were deliberately, or if not deliberately, uh, if not deliberately confusing, um, unintentionally confusing. And they did—they didn't need to be there. They there, there's a there's a cut, there's a scene in here where something happens, and then they cut to black, and then they go to they go off on a, a total a huge tangent. They introduce a character that we hadn't seen in the movie at all. And they briefly show him and then they kind of uh, allude to what's going on. They basically make you connect every single dot. And I think all the dots connect. I think this is a very well thought out movie, but I think it could have been told in a better in a better way. I think there were some choices made here with, uh, like I said, the editing. Uh, there's a voiceover in the movie. OK, now I know and there's people that will defend this movie and say no it's it's perfect movie it was it makes sense completely if you think about it and I get it it does make sense I thought about it afterwards and I thought yeah th- these these things all connect pretty damn well but imagine this movie without the voiceover if you've seen this movie imagine it without the voiceover imagine it it, it would still make sense you didn't you don't need the voiceover but if he didn't put the voiceover in then it would be making you jump through that many more hoops and connecting that many more dots and solving that many more equations. They say a great, you know, a great movie or a great story is a story that can give you, you know, three different numbers, two, three, seven, and then they they expect you to connect it to get twelve. They don't they don't just tell you like this is two, this is three, this is seven, and this is twelve. Those are the bad movies where they just explain what's going on, um, and it, they spoon feed it to you. I don't need it spoon fed for sure. And I don't, I think it is a better movie is one that doesn't spoon feed you things. But this movie, I think deliberately goes out of its way to, um, to be confusing at certain points with the plot. The plot is what becomes a little bit confusing. There's, there's elements that are added in and, and, you know, I get it. Maybe that is the point. That's what the director is going for is they want you to feel as confused as a character. Um, if that's true, why put the voiceover in? Yeah, like you can make uh, you can make a movie where the char- you're just as confused as the character is, but then you have to fully commit to that. And I don't think they did here. I think they they told things in a in a in a fashion that 
was made to confuse you or made for you to have to watch multiple times in order to put everything together. But I don't know. May, and I, I wrote down in my little review on Letterboxd, it's possible I rewatch this movie and I totally uh, go back on this and say, no, this is a goddamn masterpiece. It's put together so well. But I think I think that there are some editing choices on this movie that were made because of budgetary. Is that a word? Budgetary budget reasons for the reasons of budget. They had to cut a few things or um, they didn't want to uh, commit to full storylines that they could have otherwise. But I think it's a really unique take on and, and also, you know what? This is just kind of a once you watch this movie, if you watch it, I do have a problem with the paradoxes they're talking about. I don't think those paradoxes would exist because of the nature of the time travel. Um, but that is just me. Um, but it is a very compelling movie. It's a it's a thinker. It makes you think afterwards. And the reason why this is on, I rank this the, the best out of the four four-star movies that I watched is because this one just really sits with it. It sinks into me, really, a lot more than the other ones. This is one that I really do want to go back and rewatch. Um, it's a movie that I want people to watch. And I don't know if that's because it's so low budget, but it's so goddamn compelling. But I do know, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's an inspiring movie personally for me, but it is a very unique movie. It's like when I talked about Under the Skin before. That's a unique movie. It's very unique. This movie is unique. I haven't seen anything like this movie. Um, I think... And and to think that these actors, I don't think any of them um, are, you know, at, at least at the time, well-known actors. These aren't, you know, at, at the time, I don't think they were even David Sullivan. I don't think these are well-known actors at the time or experienced actors. Shane Carruth as well, you know, um, for sure Shane Carruth. But they did such a good job. It felt authentic. It felt real. Um I, yeah, I, I really, really like this movie. Maybe love this movie. I want to rewatch it. I asked the wife if she wanted... Oh, you know what's really cool about it? It's very short, too. 77 goddamn minutes. So it's it's one that you know I highly recommend because you can get it in get it out. And I asked my wife if she wanted to watch it, and she's not really in the mood for it. She said it looks kind of stupid. I showed her the trailer, and I get it. The trailer makes it look pretty bad. Um, and it is because it is low budget, but trust me, you get over that quickly. Um, highly recommend this movie. The best movie that I watched out of the last five primer or primer or whatever it is. All right. That's this episode. Episode 11. We'll be back. I'll be back uh, with the wife probably for episode 12, uh, top five or top eight fathers in film until next time. Stop talking during movies. I, it sounds like I'm doing a stop talking during movies in a world. I don't mean it like that. It's just like a send off. Stop talking during movies.
Oh, well, that was scary. <laughs>